irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Alex Hooper. Hey. Hey, man. How are you? Holy Hey, Lord. dude. I'm good. You have bad hair. What? Bad hair. Oh, I mean, a little bit. I mean, it's, I have head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what my hair, I've done anything to it, for sure. Uh, hey, I actually have a... But also, when I put these headphones on, it gets even more like... Uh, hey, before we start the show, I have a sponsor I have to actually, plug. I have a sponsor I have to plug, and then we'll jump into it. Get it. Oh, uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, well, who's your sponsor? Oh, uh, okay, I... I, I, it seems like there's a little echo. All right. I'm going to shout out oh, wait, this on my end or on you? On my end. Oh, okay. You sound fine to me. Oh, uh, okay. Today's episode of Razor Riffs is sponsored by Amy Brick. Hey, Alex, did you know today's real estate market is different than any time in the past? Low interest rates and great selling prices make it a buyer and seller's market. If you're thinking about making a move, check out Amy Brick with Brick and Company Real Estate. Amy's marketing plan sells you home in two showings with multiple offers. Go to amybrick.com for more information. Amy would love to talk to you about real estate in all of Southern California. Amy is a licensed real estate broker. Her license number is 01358129. Remember, www.amybrick.com. You know, Keith, I got to say, that is a perfect sponsor because just as a house made of bricks will not fall down, a realtor named Brick will not let you down. So, Amy, I'm pulling for you. Thank you. I don't like Johnny Cement over there trying to sell me some weird house that looks like a fortress of some kind. I want a classic brick two-door. (laughs) <laughs> oh man but uh amy's a good uh uh she's a good fan of the show and she's also a very funny stand-up comedian so uh, it's nice when other comedians like help you with your art you know what i mean did i lose you alex oh, i love it yeah i mean that's uh, this is a community <laughs> like you know learn that pretty early on is no, I, I'm still here. Right. Uh, you guys, so far, it's been okay. Uh, as long as you can still hear me, we're fine. Yeah, yeah. I can hear you, but I can't see you. Wait, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. At, hang on. My video is on. My my mic is on. You really can't see me? No, but I know what you look like, so maybe that's not so bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's actually a very good point. I mean, what what could be better than a podcast where you don't have to look at me for an hour, you know? Have you ever done Bye. a phone interview? Yeah, I, what I was going to say is this is 
Yeah, I do. I actually, I actually do my podcast now over the phone, essentially. Like I, I stopped doing uh, in person because of COVID and I just brought it back. So I'm just doing phone calls basically. Um, so I only do audio. So you can sit there naked, touching yourself, whatever you want to do while we have a conversation. <laughs> okay. So what, what were you going to say? I feel like I'm just, I, I feel like I'm just slightly delayed on your end because everything I'm saying is coming at you like three seconds after I say it. <laughs> it is a little, but I'm going to try hard to like, Boom, and not, yeah, I'm going to try hard not to jump the gun. You know what I mean? I'm going to enjoy the silence for a few seconds. Yeah, that's actually part of being a charismatic person, as they say, wait two seconds after somebody says something to speak, and it allows you to be more like, ooh, what's he going to say? Hmm, he's really thinking about it. Uh, what I was going to say... <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say is that our community really supports each other. And you learn that very early on in comedy is you're not against anybody else. You're not fighting for things. You're working together. And the better we all do, it's the more successful we all are. So you want to help people as much as they can. So Amy Brick understands that. So I get you, Amy Brick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, uh, I think that's something comics learn, though, the older they get into the game. Because when you're in, in the beginning, I feel it's not really about the art of comedy. It's more about getting that stage time and networking and being everybody's friend. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, I still feel like it's that. Like, yeah, you put a little bit more artistic endeavor into it. And you try to be more original and creative because you're not because you're using your own voice instead of trying to find it as much. But I still think, you know, doing all those things you just said of like of, of supporting and networking and stage time are always going to be important in some way or another. Yeah. I remember when I first met you, we did the Laugh Factory together, and that's, like, been our little joke to see which one got passed. We both got passed, but we haven't gotten that, that showcase. It's the only, you know, uh, it's the only club in L.A. that does not give me the time of day. And for a while, it frustrated me, and then I had, I had people, I had headliners going in. Like, hey, remember this guy? You said he did a really good job. You said you were going to bring him in the showcase. They'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 of course. Just go ahead and send me those emails again. Just call him for your avails. And I did it for months and over a year, actually, every week and never heard a single thing. And I was like, if these guys really don't want me, like, it's okay. There's other clubs I can go to. And yeah. it's not worth me getting frustrated over this one. You know? Well, see, I get very frustrated uh, because um, – I feel I feel it's changed within the past two years where clubs have been a lot nicer at responding to emails. But there's a while where they didn't respond. Like the improv is really good at responding now. I think they they it's like in their policy they have to respond within three emails or something like well, do you think they changed or do you think you got more into the spotlight and then they started responding more to you because they knew who you were? Uh, it could be both. It could be both. But I, I feel the improv had, I mean, nothing against the improv. I think it's the best club in the world. But for a while, because you know how levity is, it's like it, they don't, they either want you or they don't. And I think, uh, 
I think that they got better at responding to emails because I get turned down a lot by the improv, but I also get a lot of yeses from the improv. Right, for sure, yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's like, you know, anytime that I don't get something or they don't respond to me in some way, I really have to do like a check on myself and just be like, Alex, it's, I, it's probably 99% chance it's nothing per remember there are thousands of people that are sending these emails to get these very few coveted spots so it might have absolutely nothing to do with you and it might just be that it's not your turn right now or that whatever it may be but it's nothing you know it's i i can't take anything personally you know it really that's one one thing i've learned in this business is if you start if you start making enemies and start getting angry at clubs and people for not putting you in projects and things you're gonna you're gonna lose faith very very quickly just because there's too many of us there yeah. there's so that's why you got to make your own stuff do your own things would you say that there's a there's a time in your career where you like you matured in that level because i i feel when i first started i would take everything personally and now i feel like within the past three or four years i don't take it personally i still get hurt but i don't take it personally you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's not so, It's it, for me, it's not even so much that I'm hurt. It's just, it's just that, like, I know that I'm right for this booking, and I know I can do this and, like, sell enough tickets to make it worthwhile or whatever it may be. But definitely it just comes with time. Is when I feel like when I was, like, five, six, seven years in, I really felt like I was doing very good sets and that nobody was paying attention and it started to get very frustrating. And I'm like, I don't understand why I'm doing so well. Why can't I be in this club? Why aren't I getting a showcase for the late late show? Why aren't I getting this? And then like, you can run yourself rampant and just spiral all day from those thoughts. Or you can just say, hey, it's probably nothing to do with me. I will just keep working hard. And when I get to a certain point, then become undeniable, then everything will be fine. The fact is, if you look at a comedy club lineup on any given night, the amount of comics that you see that are under 10 years in on an improv comedy store, Laugh Factory, Comedy Magic Club, anything, the amount of comics that have been doing it for less than 10 years on that lineup, it's going to be a very, very, very small percentage. So that's true too. It comes with time and it comes with growth and it comes with just knowing who you are and starting to understand the type of comedian that you are. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm glad that it's taken as long as it has for me to find any sort of success because it makes me appreciate it all that much more. And it also humbles me and makes me always remember to give time and attention to the people that are starting out that crave that so hard, you know, seeing people looking in their eyes uh when when you had your first uh let's just say your first stream of of success uh success would that would you consider that roast battling when you got on that show i think so i mean that's the first time that i was on tv specifically because of stand-up comedy and not because of acting so that was the first time when I was kind of a leader in a community of stand-up just because I had done so well with roast battles. And then I got chosen to be on the TV show and everything. So that was really the first time I felt like I had done 
all of the proper work and gone through the right channels and just happened to hit something at a perfect time when it would all come together and explode for me. So, I mean, that was definitely a, a big one, but again, like, it's crazy. Like I did that show and I thought I'm going to do this so differently. I'm going to wear these crazy outfits and I'm going to be like this huge presence on stage. And that's, what's going to shoot me into the spotlight. Managers are going to want to sign me. Agents are going to want to sign me. Nobody talked to me. After wow. like no nobody in the industry ever reached out to me after I did those performances or anything. Now I got fans and I met a lot of really cool people through that. And I mean, it, overall it was huge for me. But what I realized from that is like, it's never going to do what you think it's going to do. So just keep your expectations low and have the best time ever doing it. And just do it because you have the opportunity to do the thing, not because you want it to become something else. Yeah, because when I did a stand-up diversity, I thought, I thought for sure uh, I was going to get a lot of fans and all that stuff and agents, you know, I thought like that. And then I realized nobody's ever seen stand-up diversity. So, you know what I mean? So it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Rose Battle. But you never know because you, that's, somebody still might see that or, you know, or could have seen that and gone, hey, I don't have anything for this guy right now, but I'm going to remember the name Keith Reza. And when I'm making this movie or TV show in seven years, I'm going to remember this guy and give him if he's still around. That's why, like, you can never burn bridges or anything like that. And you just have to be kind and inviting to everybody is because that, that open micer that you just met that ate shit on stage very well could have his own TV show in 12 years. And you, who spoke to him kindly and gave him encouraging words, are, is what he's going to remember and go, whoa, what's Keith Reza doing right now? I bet I can bring him in for this role, you know? Yeah. So that's what, and that's another reason why it takes so long in this business is because a lot of it is building relationships. You're getting better at comedy, you're understanding your voice, but you're also building this giant network of people that will all only want will want to work with the people that they know best. Yeah. So that's the where longer the, you go. That's where the friendships like kind of take a dive in, you know what I mean? Because like I mean I was with Norm for seven years and I think I was only talented enough to be with him for two. And I think I was <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I <laughs> So I think, like, the friendship had a lot to do with how much time I was with him. Of yeah. course. Well, especially if you're an opener for somebody that's working continuously, that is all about the friendship. It's basically, hey, are you funny enough to go out there and do your job and get these people excited and in a positive mood so when I come out there, I will be set up to do a good job? Great. But more so, I got to hang out with you for hours on end. We got car rides. We got restaurants. We got green rooms. We're going to be close together. So if nothing else, I just need you to be a cool chill person and if you're that then yeah yeah i mean and that too and also <laughs> the willingness to you know um yes do you need me to the toilet donald before you sit it will be clean and warm you okay great i will go into the public restroom first but but but, but you know whatever you may need <laughs> <laughs> uh, imagine that's know. what headliners do when they have an opener have you ever done that to an opener <laughs> 
Uh, no, I know, but I've only had openers for like one nighters and stuff like that. Uh, and I've never actually toured with anybody like of, of, of like a headliner status. I've only, I've done like select weekends here and there, but I've never been continuously the road person that goes out with somebody. So one day never had the opportunity, but I'll lick those toilet seats. I'm open to it. <laughs> so when you get these one nighters, like, uh, or do you have the headlining power where you could bring your own act or do, do the clubs book it for you? It depends if it's, if it's close enough. Like if it's like, uh, I did Irvine in, uh, January and oh, I had the nights and I had, it was great. I had, I actually sold it way better than I thought I would. Um, and then the night, uh, they gave me the night to book whoever I wanted. They said, Hey, you're headlining. We want you to have the people that you want to have with you. So that was really cool. Other times it's like, Hey, we actually got the, you know, if I'm going to Arizona, we got this local guy, um, We'd rather pay him so we don't have to do any more hotel rooms and stuff. And so because I am a new headliner, it's only been in the past year, year and a half for me. I have to just, uh, you know, I don't get all my wishes and I have to play whatever game they need me to. So I'm happy just to be there, you know, and then I'll, and then I'll meet someone new. And I'm happy to, you know, hang out with a different comic in another city. I was supposed to do Irvine in April headlining and then they got pushed to July. Then I got pushed to November and then uh, the improv said, you know what, just write us in the new year. We can't even get put you on November because there's a great chance it's going to get rescheduled. Do you know what I mean? I know. And Well, Irvine at least is doing those drive-in shows now. So I can't know. sell drive-ins, though. <laughs> Me neither, dude. I, for, some, for some reason, Hondas don't like, understand my humor. You know, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really more of a uh, Chevy Toyota kind of guy. But all these, all these Hyundai's and Datsuns and shit, I can't sell tickets to them. And the cars that I can sell, they'll break before they even get there. So. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, can I do a skateboard tour? Can a bunch of people be standing there with a skateboard? And they're just standing there holding their board and watching me in a parking lot? I bet I could sell that ticket. <laughs> uh, the, the next drive-in show that they're doing is John Lovitz. And I think that that's a terrible idea because if anyone's ever seen Lovitz's act, he plays the piano for 45 minutes. <laughs> I, I remember I've only seen him once and it was at the John Lovitz comedy club. Cause he was on the, sh I was on the show after him. Um, and then he, so I went in to watch whatever he would do. And he just sang a song. He, it, it was, I guess it's, there's a song called Bob Saget's gay. <laughs> and then he just sings this like Bob Saget's gay, Bob Saget's gay. And which is so funny because you're calling this man gay and you're missing the easiest rhyming slur that could possibly be there. Like he, the name Saget oh, yeah. has given you a gift if you want to call your friend gay and yet yeah. he's not using it. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I was thinking about going this weekend just to see how he does because like, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen Lovitz do well at a comedy club. I've seen him do well like at uh, where it's all comedians, like a festival, you know what I mean? Not really a club. And I'm not, like, bad-mouthing him, but I think that's just because he's he's not really a stand-up. He's more of an improv guy, you know? I'd be so curious, though. Like, how funny would it be if he started bombing in front of the cars and then he has a John Lovitz 
style breakdown on the stage <laughs> in front of all of these automobiles. Like, I would go just for that scenario to possibly coalesce. Like, that would be amazing. Well, if you're free on Saturday, let's go. Maybe we could do a guest set. <laughs> <laughs> on, I'm sorry. On Saturday, I'm actually booked on an apartment rooftop. So thank you. They're, sell, they're, they're capping the ticket sales at 12. So it's going to be a monster of a show, to say the least. Dude, they asked me, they were like, would you rather, do you want a comp ticket or would you rather have cash? And I was like, cash are you kidding i don't need yeah. to bring anybody to watch me perform for 12 people now uh how because i for example com comedy has really fucked me over this year with the covid or covid fucked me over with the comedy i think i said that in reverse but um yeah <laughs> but uh you know i make probably half of my earnings on comedy so like now i'm not making any money how how is it like with you because i i think you make all your money doing comedy i didn't actually so i actually i worked at i know i worked at day job at universal studios for 11 and a half years like since i moved here actually longer than i've been doing comedy and um the day of the shutdown march 14th was the last day i worked it's also the day i filmed my audition for america's got talent for my first audition this year so i left work went to go film that thought i was going to go back to work in two weeks obviously i haven't gone back to work um but i kept the job because I'm still getting unemployment but um so basically I'm living off unemployment but I also got very lucky this year because I did have a very good year in comedy last year and this year every year I try to double what I made the year before right. and I'm and it's going to be very difficult for me to make it to the double where that I wanted because of this but I did get very lucky that I booked a Super Bowl commercial for Facebook that started paying me in April so basically three weeks after the shutdown started, I got a check that was like, well, I guess I'm going to be okay for a while. Oh, um, good. So I was, I was very, very lucky in that respect of just the timing of the booking and how long it took for them to pay me just ended up just being great. And I actually haven't, you know, I, I found other ways to make money this year. It's, it's really like I've had to be creative, but, you know, doing a lot of Zoom shows, like making little money here and there. Um, I, I got on Cameo recently. I'm and Cameo uh, I'm, dude, I got, I did, um, yeah, I've been on for a little over a week and I've done 12 in the past week. Yeah. Um, so not bad for a first week. I mean, just to do something for like, that takes two to three minutes and make a few extra bucks. So I'm just trying to find, uh, any way that I can like, you know, tiny little odd jobs here and there. And then the occasional live show that will pay me like that John Johnson show that, uh, you that, saw each other at last that week. That was a fun show. I, I went to, I actually went because I, I opened for Jay now and Jay, Jay told me to come in and I think Jay was going to throw me up and I didn't, I didn't want to do it because he got. He kind of actually got mad because he wanted me to go up, and I was like, "Jay, the music was like an hour. You know, people are here to see you. You don't want to do an hour. Like, you're saying, hey, do five minutes. We both know me. Five minutes is twenty minutes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I was like, yeah. and I didn't want to take time from Jeremiah because Jeremiah, 
I, I believe a guest set is different if the show's on time and it flows, you know, stuff like that. But if you're not on the bill and you didn't help promote or whatever, I think it's more disrespectful to the producer just because you open it for the guy. You know what I mean? Well, I think, yeah. And I think you were right to, to decline that offer in that setting only because John was not running those times like a normal comedy show anyway. Like if yeah. it had been like, okay, Cooper's going to host and he's going to do 10. Then we're going to bring up a guest for five. Jeremiah is going to do 15 and then Jay's on. But he opened with me doing 25 minutes and then Jeremiah went on and was supposed to do the same. But then John realized how long it was going to be and cut his time a little bit. Jay, um, so, Jay cut it. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I think if, if John had run that more traditionally, as far as like a you know, host feature headliner goes, it would have been no issue to throw you up. But the way he was doing it with how much time he was giving, it would have been like those, even if you had stuck to your five minutes, just the extra person would have added so much to the um, fatigue of the audience just by, but yeah. just by having another person go up and them having to reset all over again, you know? Well, how, how was that, that show? Like, when you because Huntington Beach is not really a like I don't know if you noticed but like I actually really do believe in this virus and I was wearing the mask and I felt I was doing everything I can to do my part a lot of people in the audience weren't no no that place no I said it was it was it was like Thunderdome when I got down there and I just saw everybody walking around just like it was like it was fucking February of 2020 you know <laughs> like not a concern in the world and it was I was really like I kept telling people I was like hey hey surfboard away surfboard length away I know yeah. you understand what that means surfboard length away you know and like you know I'm looking at all these people and I'm all these couples are coming up to me and wanting to talk to me and but they're those couples that like typical Huntington Beach where the man and the woman both look like Sammy Hagar and it's right. like you know they it's like where did you guys come from but it was I will say this like stage again and looking out at so many people because there was like four to five hundred people there um was it, it was, that much I was like wow. I felt it was yeah it was crazy I did a walk around and kind of did like a rough count and it was like four to 500 wow it was it was i felt like a caged animal who had been unleashed for the first time in months like i was out there just like all my energy was just like here we go you know and from the second i started i was just like hit 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 like do not give get them one second to get to stop looking at me or paying attention especially because that's such a huge outdoor space the people in the back it's so easy if i lose you to just start talking to your friends and stop paying attention to me so i was like i need to be on fire for the second i get out there just fired you know nonstop. so i had a blast doing that show <laughs> getting to talk to fans again getting to meet fans again i did against my better judgment i was like ah should i meet and greet i was like yes if i keep my mask on i can just go to people and take a few photos and i wanted to do that because after i haven't really been able to do a lot of live shows especially since america's got talent happened again and i felt how much bigger my reach was even just at that show so i wanted just to that validation again i'm just getting to meet talk to the fans and like you know thank them for being there you know how that feels i mean it's nice 
Now, America's got talent because I, I believe you were there, you were on it last year, and now you're on it again this year. Like two years ago, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I, I don't get that. How did that happen? Um, basically, I got, I, in my first audition in 2018, um, I got booed off the stage. I mean, I finished my performance, but I was like horrendously booed by 3,000 people, and the audition went viral. And it's like one of those just these crazy moments of like 3,000 people against one man, and I'm standing up to them and just like kind of laughing in their faces. And so that did really well. So then, cut forward to two was years later. Was that intentional, by the way? Um, I didn't want to get booed like that. In the end, <laughs> it's better that it happened because it makes for a much more compelling piece of footage. But no, in the moment, I was like, holy shit, this is the worst performance of my life. This is the, this is awful, a nightmare. Every single terrible thing is going through my mind. But then I was trying to get a late night set and nobody would give me the time of day. So, you know, when you're starving, go back to the table that fed you the first time. And I said, hey, guys, you know, like this audition went so viral. What if I went back and did it again? And producers were just all about the idea. And then it ended up going so well that I made it all the way to the live shows and ended up being in the top 25 of contestants this year. So it's really, it's just a matter of like, a lot of people would have like had that experience of been like, I'm never going back to that stupid show. This was awful and terrible. But I saw what it did for me as far as gaining a fan base and turning into a headliner. And I was like, I'm not scared of these people. I'm going to go right back and do it all over again and see what happens. And so like people ask, like, how did that happen? I asked for it. Yeah. I put the idea in their mind and I said, what if we did this? And sure enough, they were just all about it because I made their job easier. Instead of them having to find a new person, they go, oh, this guy already made a gold, hit gold once. Let's see. And if he doesn't, we just want to include him in the show. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Is, uh, is Simon very uh, intimidating? Because I would be intimidated by that guy. You know, in 2018, when I auditioned, I, he was the one guy that gave me a yes. And he was the one that was laughing the entire time. Like, he understood what I was doing. So I was super excited to make fun of Simon again. And it was really disappointing when he got injured and had to drop out of the show for the remainder of this season. I don't know if you know what happened, but he, no, fell, happened? Off, he, uh, he fell off an electric bike. Like, basically, he was at his house and he got an electric bike and he just hit the gas and it went and he just flew back and landed wow. and broke a couple apparently broke a couple discs in his back so he had to leave the show um and it was super disappointing because he was my biggest fan out there like if anyone understood what i was doing it was him from the get-go and um I just really wanted to perform for him again because he's, yeah. he's a taste like if, if you're gonna do well for anyone on that show He's the guy, you know, he's the tastemaker. He's the one who created this whole empire of X Factor, Idol, Got Talent, all this shit. Like, he's the one. So, yeah. he's a... I, I, I like him. Like, I jokingly refer to him on the show as my dad. And uh, just because he knows how to be a dick as well. And, you know, it's... it's I don't know. It's, we have a silly relationship. I had... Um... The, the, I had a dream, but for the folks at home, this is not a true story. This is just one of my dreams. I had this dream like 
six or seven years ago where I was on America's Got Talent and Simon was there. And like, this is before he was on the show, you know, it was Simon. So like in a way I kind of knew Simon would eventually be on the show because he was on America's Got uh, American Idol or whatever. So it was Simon, Howie, Howard Stern. So I had a dream I was on it, right? And I had a dream I'm killing it. And then Simon just says I'm the worst comic in the world. <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, God. So, like, then I remember, like, I, you know, I was talking to, uh, you know, Norm. Like, I called Norm. And Norm's like, so, how do you do, man? You know, before it gets aired or whatever. And I was like, Simon loved me. <laughs> and then I woke up. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, thank God it, it, it's a dream because then I'm I'm not only lying to my boss, but I'm lying to myself. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Dude, that's so hilarious. I, I, now I wish you had gone on the show just to have that experience. So they'd be like, listen, before I perform, I need to tell you right now. I had a dream, and you're not going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's just so funny because then, like, four years later, it becomes on America's Got Talent. So then I'm thinking, hey, maybe there, there's a sign in that dream that maybe some of it will come true. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, dude, I mean, I encourage anybody to if, – if somebody – like, people ask me all the time, like, is it true for that show? As long as you're ready to go through the ringer that is being on a network television show and understanding that they have more control of you than you probably want them to have, if you're willing to give into that experience a little bit, it really can, like, change your life and bring you an entirely new group of fans. And you just have to be ready to, like you know, relinquish some of your values, maybe not even your values, but just like your, the fight in us as comics. Like, no, that's my bit. I'm not going to change it at all. It's, I'm not going to do it. And what you say, some of that, you know what I mean? And you just have to play their game a little bit, but I'm very lucky that they really respected me as a performer and allowed me to creatively contribute to the entire process. And they would really listen to me when I fought for a joke and tried to explain why I thought it was acceptable and worthwhile. So they were overall production staff over there. Very, very cool. Really got oh. along with them well. And I really respect them for, I respect them back for allowing me to be such a fucking weirdo on that show and allowing me to push it as far as I did. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, before we move on, I got to mention our great sponsors, you know, and then we'll go back to having this great rift. But today's episode uh, with Razor Rifts with Alex Hooper is sponsored by Amy Brick. Hey, Alex, did you know today's real estate market is different than any time in the past? Low interest rates and great selling prices make it a buyer and seller's market. If you're thinking about making a move, check out Amy Brick with Brick Company and Real Estate. Amy's marketing plan sells your home in two showings with multiple offers. Go to amybrick.com for more information. Amy would love to talk to you about real estate in all of Southern California. Amy is a licensed real estate broker. Her license number is 01358129. Remember, amybrick.com. 
And I would just like to add to the sponsor by saying, by Amy Bricks House. Amy Bricks House. Amy, if you're not already using that, uh, it's yours. Uh, I, 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 I'm sure you have to pay for it in some way, but I'm giving you permission to use the song Brick House to sell your brick houses. That's very awesome uh, because she actually – because I did a two for one and I think she's only sponsoring it because she loves you because I don't see how she loves Don Barris. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's funny is I can actually like right across the street is where Don Barris lives. If I open this window, I can point out Don Barris's house or apartment (laughs) right there. We live exactly across the street from each other. Oh, that's awesome, man. Don, I mean, it's not awesome for me because I can smell him all the way from across the street inside my own apartment. So <laughs> I, I can just I can just hear women getting offended sometimes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we were talking about burning bridges and stuff, and uh, but Don Barris, he's a I think he's a sweetheart, but he he, he has that he has that rep where he's burned bridges and maybe he doesn't even know it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, people have told me about that, but I don't really know the history. Because when I look at Don Barris, I'm like, man, you've just been working in this town for 25, 30 years, whatever it is, continuously. And like, you know, you can say whatever you will about being a warm up guy for a late night show, but that is a great gig. To That's get a it. talent. I got it. For sure, it's a talent, and it's also continuous work for long periods of time, which is something that if you can find in this business, you take it. Because everything else, we're going, okay, I did this project. That was a good three days of work, but now I don't have anything lined up for four months, so what do I do in between? If you have something where they're like, hey, we need you four days a week for this many hours, and we are going to give you a steady paycheck, you jump on that shit. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, about roast battle uh, when it comes back. I, I I take it it's something you still love doing because your record that last time I checked was like twenty seven and one. I mean I'm sure that's changed. I think I've uh, yeah I definitely I've lost like I think I've lost like eight or nine times at this point. Just yeah. because I started I started getting to the point where I was bored by it. So that's where like the outlandish costume started coming in and I started pretty much opening myself up just to be uh, to just to lose um, by making the whole show more fun, by making myself more vulnerable. But I mean for a long time, the thing is with that is like for over a year I was the number one ranked battler in Los Angeles, which was fantastic like as far as like the accomplishment, but it's It's not fun to be in the lead the entire time. Like, you want to chase somebody. You don't want to just run away from everybody. If you're always defending, you never get a chance to play offense. And offense is way more fun. So I started kind of not intentionally losing, but just broadening my – the diversity of my performances so that it would make me just – try something new you know it forced me to be scared and not feel like winning was important anymore well see i feel like i've only done roast battle a handful of times i think my record was before i retired because you know i was the best i was five and two and i remember i remember there was a point where i actually wanted to roast you not because uh, I thought I could win, but because, like, I wanted to be like that. I wanted to just roast the best guys because 
I don't feel, and this is just my opinion, I'm not saying it's true or not, but I don't feel roasting makes you a great stand-up comic. And I feel I'm no. You know? No, it's a completely different thing. And yeah. that's why I, that's why it's so bizarre to me that I fell into this niche because I consider myself a pure stand comic. Like yeah, you're a comic. when I'm when I'm touring and when I'm on stage, I'm a I'm a straight comic. But what I fell in love with was the joke writing process of Rose Battle and like figuring out these little puzzles and then making it so pointed. It just like, this will never work for anything except for right now. But what it did was it tightened up all of my writing because it made me start cutting out all the fat from all my jokes and making sure that everything was streamlined until it was just the absolute necessary verbiage to get my point across. So it really helped me become a comic but yeah, just because you're a great, like they do not go hand in hand. No, I've seen amazing comics that are terrible at roast battle. And I've seen amazing battlers that couldn't do a half an hour set to save their life. Yeah. So, but for me, I do think because like, be, uh, it sounds smart because I'm a good comic. Um, I allowed those same kind of thing. The things that make me a good comic, I put them into the roast battle, being original, being fearless, willing to take chances and just tight joke writing. And I put them all together. And that's why I think I excelled at roast battle is just because I was using everything. And see, you said one word where this is where I, I've always thought of this. And this is the type of comic where I could say that I feel I fall in that category, but I'm not there yet. But you said fearless. And I feel the most fearless comics are usually, and they might not know it, but they're usually the best ones. Like Tiffany Haddish, Norm MacDonald, fearless, you know, comics. And I feel you are very fearless too, you know? So I think that that's a compliment. And I, I think, appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, comics for sure. don't know that. I mean, that's one thing. It it took me a really long time to get to the point where I just said, like, I don't give a shit if people get this or not. I'm going to walk on stage wearing a unitard and a tail, and I'm going to tell jokes, and people will either understand it or they won't. And yeah. it, it, it did, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I immediately was like, this is going to be silly. I was terrified the first time I started doing that kind of stuff. But what I realized is if I own it, then people will look at me as more authentic and genuine and then I can sell it even though I'm doing something that's bizarre that people have never seen before so that's my whole thing is like if I have an idea that I think I don't know if this is going to work or not I want to at least have the balls to say I'm going to try and I'm not going to be afraid of failure because the bigger the risk that you're willing to take the bigger the reward you're going to get now when comedy comes back eventually and you go back to doing roast battles, is there a goal of people you want to roast like headliners or do you just want to be in that same? You know, I, I still like battling. I like, at this point, I like judging the battles more than I like battling because then I can just show up and just rip and not have to like do all these, like all the pre-work to do it. Um, but I think, uh, I mean, I would just, I just like the process of writing the roast jokes. And right. so I don't know if I have anyone on my list that's just like, ooh, that's the person I want to go against. I just want the opportunity to keep um, writing these jokes. I mean, I roasted, I roasted an eight-month-old, or uh, sorry, an eight, 
uh, an eight-month-old fetus for a baby shower this past week. I roasted a pre-born baby. And oh, Lord. Just, like, and yeah, just to do that, it's like, okay, this is what you want me to do? Okay, sure, this will be fun. Um, and I like that it's bringing me opportunities like that to just do things that are just so stupid. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be weird if that baby in 18 years turns out to be your wife? <laughs> I mean, yes, for so many reasons. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, honey, don't watch this set. I said it before you were born. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean to say that white people are already canceled before you, you came out. Don't they have a viable career? I promise, you're gonna be fine. <laughs> but no, uh, I remember like a year ago. When uh, do you remember Bagel Boss? Yeah, uh, I remember when he was like making all that noise or whatever. Well, anyways, on Twitter he called me the R word, and I take I take huge offense to that because um with my autism, like I that's like the N word to me. And I remember I went off on him. I was like, you know what? Let's just roast battle. You know what I mean? I'll crush you like a like. It wasn't because I knew I would win. It was because, like, dude, you've pissed me off so much, I will win. You know what I mean? Right. It's one of, it's one of those things of, like, look, I don't want to humiliate you, but you've given me no option here. Yeah. So you have opened the floodgates, and now I will rain lava upon you. Yeah. So I, I like, tweeted uh, Jeff. I think this is why, like, uh, Jeff Ross, like, kind of avoids me because I, like, over-tweeted him, you know, like, tagged and stuff. Like, let's make this happen. <laughs> but uh, uh, I haven't heard from Bagel Boss in, like, a year, and I'm still down to do it. But I think he died or something because he's no longer on Twitter. So I feel like he just had it. I feel like that guy had his moment in the sun and was like, I, there's no way this is going to be sustainable in any way. And I'd rather <laughs> not do the work to make this sustainable. So I'm just going to go ahead and check out right here before I actually have to start doing work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was the last time where I was just so heated. And I don't know, like, as a comic, the longer I do comedy, I don't let things like trolls bother me when i first started i did you can't but the like when you go up the graph i think the the bothersome is like because eh, you realize people are gonna hate you no matter what you know what well, I mean? yeah and especially well i have like fun with it now because i basically with what i do or what i've been able to do on tv people think it's just okay just to light me up like they'll like you know they'll just they'll go into my comments and just be like just be like listen to me you ted nugent no happy had an abortion looking mother blah blah, blah 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 and like it's all fine but i also get a lot of people that are like you know how dare you say this about heidi klum she is a wonderful mother and a beautiful person and you don't know and like all this so like i get these messages all the time and i just have fun with them i don't ever get angry at them i go the opposite way and i shower them with love and yeah. that's my way of dealing with trolls is it, i'm just like hey like you took a lot of time out of your day to look me up and me and i'm a total stranger what if you put the same energy into telling your family how much they mean to you what if you took out a friend for lunch and told him what a great whatever it may be stop using your energy on things that don't matter and put them into people that actually care about you because that's not me so i agree I, with, I, I agree with you on that because like uh 
during the presidential debate, I was live tweeting and stuff. And I, I, I don't really care what kind of side people are. Like, I don't judge you for a vote. But I believe if you do political humor, you got to go both sides. You know what I mean? So. Yes, which I, I, which is why I loved uh, Jeremiah at that show uh, that we the the Sea Leg show. He did this Donald Trump impression. Um, if he was, it was like Donald Trump. Uh, Trump. God, what was the impression? It was either. I don't remember exactly what the impression was, but he did it in such a way that both sides loved it. Whether you were yeah. a Democrat or you were a Republican, you were all about it. And to write a political joke that plays to both sides is so difficult. And I give Jeremiah Watkins so much credit for doing that because that's almost impossible to do. Yeah. So this, I, I tweeted that, hey, I'm not going to live debate the vice president debate because you guys can't handle political jokes. And this troll said, well, you're not really good at making Trump jokes anyway. So then I responded, thanks. I appreciate that. And I don't think he realized I was actually insulting him back. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, that's what's fun is like, you know, you hit, you hit him with a, su a subtle nuanced joke and it will fly <laughs> completely over their head. And that's, what's, I, that's what I love about uh, this kind of stuff is the people that don't get it. Like if you watch what I do on a show like America's Got Talent and you don't understand that that's a joke, I can't help you. Yeah. Like you do not understand what's sad. I've given up on you. <laughs> yeah, I have no interest in trying to placate you in any way or trying to, I'm not going to explain myself. The people, one of my favorite comments is like, how can he roast people when he looks like that, when he's wearing that outfit? I'm like, that's the fucking point. <laughs> like, I'm opening myself up to complete ridicule by doing this. And that's what makes it funny. And some people get it, some people don't. But if you don't get it anyway, you're never going to be my fan in the first place. So there's no reason for me to try to make you understand. Uh, Alex, before we go, we got to say one more thing about the sponsors, and then we'll find out where the folks can follow you. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, Today's episode, Razor Riffs, was brought to you by Amy Brick. Hey, Alex, did you know today's real estate market is different than any time in the past? Low interest rates and great selling prices make it a buying and sellings market. If you're thinking about making a move, check out Amy Brick with Brick Company Real Estate. Amy's marketing plan sells your home in two showings with multiple offers. Go to, go to www.amybrick.com for more information. Amy would love to talk to you about real estate in all of Southern California. She's a licensed real estate broker. Uh, her number is 01358129. Remember, amybrick.com. Get bricked, everybody. Yeah. Just call me Brick Fox because I make buckets all day. <laughs> so, Alex, the last question before uh, we go, uh, what's the biggest prank you've ever pulled on someone? Ha! You're the second person to ask me that this week. That's so silly. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily the biggest 
prank. However, I really, really liked this prank. Um, when I was in college, I went to school in Pittsburgh and right down the end of my street, there was a gas station that sold donuts. And so every morning they would get rid of the donuts from the night before when they got the new shipment. So every once in a while, my friends and I would go ask for them and the old donuts, they'd give us a bag and we would just ride around chucking them on the balconies and things like that. But one day we got the idea, we had a roommate who wasn't home and we got a bunch of fishing line and we tied up 30 donuts to fishing line and hung them from the ceiling of his room. So then we just let them be. So when he came home and he opened the door, it just looked like 30 donuts were suspended in midair, just floating in his bedroom because right. you couldn't see the fishing line. Uh, with how it was. So he just, li like, literally, we're all sitting on the couch just watching TV, and we watch him open the door and just, like, have this face of, like, uh, 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 <laughs> not understanding what he's looking at and then as he gets a little closer he realizes oh they're all hanging from a string and he literally just goes up to one and grabs it and takes a bite and just looks back and he goes funny guys this is very funny I really uh this is funny okay all right and then, so it's not like it's not an insane prank it's just harmless and silly and that's why I like it my biggest prank I actually did this a week ago uh my 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 dad's a big Trump supporter, and uh, my neighbor next door is a big Biden supporter. So she has all these Biden signs, and she's at the point where like it's like uh like political is very it scares me because it's like uh, I'm getting it from my dad now I'm getting it from my neighbor you know what I mean? So it was to the point where like you drive in and they'd be like go oh, buy it you know all that stuff. So my dad has all these Trump signs so. Late at night, I took the neighbor's Biden signs and I put them in my garage and I put the Trump signs there <laughs> on her lawn. And she, it was just nice. hilarious because, like, when she came out, she was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> That's serious. That's like, that's like, I mean, it's not serious at all, but to a person in that situation, they're yeah. going to be like, That's the rudest thing you could have ever done in your entire life like honestly i'd rather you walked up to me and just slapped your dick in my face a few times than put a biden sign in my lawn but the yeah. funniest part was her scream like i was like <laughs> <laughs> all right alex where can the book follow oh. you man uh very easy to find hoopercomedy.com or across social media everything is at Hooper Hair Puff. If you Google Alex Hooper, you'll find me immediately. You can watch clips. I have, you can read my blog. You can listen to my podcast. You can do all that stuff. So follow me everywhere, people. Thank you. Uh, Alex, thanks for doing it. It was fun laughing with you, and I love you very much, man. I love you too, Keith. Thanks for having me, dude. This was great. Have a beautiful day. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Bye. Bye. All right. That was Alex uh, Hooper. Uh, before I cancel this, I uh, got to make sure it's recording. Okay, so, yeah, guys, that was uh, my interview with Alex Hooper. Um, follow him on social media. Subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, to the show, raise the riffs. Follow us. Uh, Alan was not here. Remember, today's episode was brought to you by Amy Brick. Uh, today's real estate market is different than any time in the past. Low 
Low interest rates and great selling prices make it a buyer and seller's market. If you're thinking about making a move, check out Amy Brick with Brick Company Real Estate. Amy's marketing plan sells your home in two showings with multiple offers. Go to amybrick.com for more information. Amy would love to talk to you about real estate in all of Southern California. Amy is also a licensed real estate broker. Her number is 0135-8129. Remember, amybrick.com. Also, guys, I'm on Cameo, too, so book me, too. Subscribe, rate, and review to the show, and we'll talk to you later. And stop. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, write, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash Keith And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it. And we'll rift with you again soon.